That's the first word. I will make you rich in every way. And we talked about that, yay, three weeks ago. I know. It's been a minute, so that's why I'm giving you that pass. Word number two amen, uh, is I want you to tithe so I can reward you. Amen. Uh, many people look at tithing as a negative, but tithing is one of the most positive things in the Word of God. In fact, before we get done tonight, you will, I, I hope that you will leave here with a different understanding of tithing than ever before, and that you will see it is God's intention to bless you. It's just like in the Garden of Eden. Many of you remember that story uh, that we've heard so many times about how, you know, the, the serpent comes to Eve, and the serpent says to Eve, hath God said, and starts to question the Word of God, starts to twist the Word of God, and even brings it about as though God is trying to keep something from Eve and from Adam. But really, that's not how the Word came from God to Adam. The Word came from God to Adam as a blessing. I want to bless you. Amen? I've given you all the trees in the, the garden. You can eat of every tree of the garden. And so many people take the same approach when it comes to tithing. Oh, the church just wants my money. But God says, I want you to tithe so I can reward you. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, if you honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits, everybody say first fruits, of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So if you honor the Lord, say, I got to honor him. Amen. And some of you are saying, but it's with my wealth and I don't have any wealth. Uh, with the first fruits. Amen. You got to give God first fruits. And it says if we do that, then there's a promise in there. The promise is that our barns will be filled to overflowing, our vats will brim over with new wine. This promise comes just three verses after the great encouragement from the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Amen. So if we truly trust in the Lord, it should not be hard for us to give. If we truly trust in the Lord, it will not be hard for us to honor the Lord with what he has given us. The book of Malachi reveals how important tithe is to God. And when his people refused to honor him with their wealth, God actually accused them of stealing from him. He said it like this, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. I mean, the, the question almost seems absurd, right? Will a man rob God? Well, who would dare to do such a foolish thing, right? But he says, yet, even though it seems absurd to even suggest that someone would try to rob God, he says, yet have you robbed me. Our decision to give at least 10% of our income back to God reflects our reliance on Him as the source of all our blessings. This kind of faith pleases the Lord and brings abundant blessing. Amen. So when we look at some, some power principles of tithing, we see some very important things. First of all, power principle number one, tithing motivates greater faithfulness. Tithing will motivate us to greater faithfulness. Um, some people say, well, you know, tithing, it's just in the Old Testament. It doesn't really apply to us. not really New Testament teaching, whatever. It actually is, and I'm not going to go into a very detailed study, but let me just share a couple of things with you. First of all, from the book, the, the, the chart that cites several examples and raises the question, which is the higher standard? Is it Moses' law or is it the law of, of Christ, the way of Christ? And so when you see in the Old Testament, you see Exodus 20, 13, do not murder. 
And then you see in the New Testament, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 2 John 3.15. So which is more, which is a higher standard? The New Testament, right? The way of Christ is a higher standard. And, and then in the Old Testament, you see things, Exodus 20.14, do not, do not commit adultery. Matthew 5.28, you see anyone who, uh, who lusts commits adultery in his heart. Well, that takes it to a whole nother level. That's not just the act, that's actually in your heart you're imagining things and doing things. And so that's a higher standard. How about Leviticus 19.12? Do not swear falsely by God's name. And then Matthew 5.34 says, do not swear at all. So it seems like the higher standard is the law of Christ. One more is the entire tithe will be holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27 and verse 32. And 1 Corinthians doesn't even say tithe. It just says, give as you are prospered. 1 Corinthians 16.2. So if you do a very exhaustive study of the Scriptures, you will find this overlooked truth. And it is this, Jesus' way always calls for greater faithfulness and commitment than was required by the Old Testament law. Can giving possibly be an exception? Is it possible that, that maybe giving is not as you know, important or giving is not uh, quite as serious to God? Why would we ever think of doing less than the Old Testament believers? We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. We have God's power living on the inside of us. We have more than they could have ever hoped to have had. Why would we ever think we could do less? We've got the power and we've got the ability to do more. Uh, remember, Christ came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it, Matthew 5.17. So power principle about tithing number two is tithing releases God's financial blessing. Okay, It helps us be a better steward, but it also releases God's financial blessing. God does not expect His people to live in want. He, he is not expecting. Now, I know this is, you, I'm, I'm borderline. Some of you are like, oh, well, that sounds like that prosperity gospel. No, that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. God does not expect you to live in want. Often, He will grant us the desires of our heart, and He will bless us beyond measure. But if our priorities are as they should be, Guess what? We don't get caught up in gaining more and more for our own gratification. We are compelled to invest our resources, whether they are great or small, back into the kingdom of God because we see the eternal difference that it makes. Scripture is very powerful. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We cannot outgive God. That principle, I, I, every time I challenge people, every time I put it to the test in my life, every time I see people put it to the test in their life, you cannot outgive God because the scripture says, Give and it will be given to you. You, you can't, I mean, whatever it is, give and it will be given to you. You give mercy, you're going to receive mercy. You give grace, you're going to receive grace. You give finances, you're going to give finance. You give time, you're going to get time. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep moving because there's a lot I could say, and I'm on a time limit tonight. Malachi 3.10, God's Word says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then He says, Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 
Wow. This is one of the most remarkable passages to me in the whole Bible because the God of the universe actually told His people to test Him. The Hebrew word for test means to examine. God said, you could check me out and see if I'm telling the truth. You could see if this is fake news or if this is for real right here. I'll show you how you do that. You give and see what happens. You bring all the tithe into the storehouse and you watch what happens. He said, look, you want to you see it? Test, just test me. Just prove me. Just, just go ahead. I dare you. That's what he's saying. And he said, this is, if, if you look at the, the, the Scripture, you'll find this is the only time in Scripture that he ever says, prove me, test me. Some of y'all need to smile. I'm just going to say this. I'm talking about money, and some of y'all need to smile. It'll make it much easier on me, okay? So please, just remember, I'm watching you. So smile. I can see you. I know there's lights up here, but I can see you. Smile. I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. Just remember this. We don't give to be blessed. We give because we are blessed. Amen. I, I don't give, oh, God, I want to be blessed more. I want to be. No, we give because he has already blessed us. I mean, does, it, does anybody here deserve to be here? Does anybody here deserve his grace or his mercy or his power or his spirit in your life? None of us do. Amen. As a matter of fact, none of us deserve even to be even, even allowed into his presence, but he allows us. And he's blessed us, and he keeps on blessing us. So principle number three of tithing is tithing expands evangelical kingdom work. What does that mean? Well, let me just start by saying this. Some of you, you say, well, pastor, you're talking to everybody else because I, I give my tithes. I do. I'm, I'm faithful, 10%, right off the top. But did you know that the average percentage of giving per Christian is less than 2% of their income? Less than 2%. Do you know that when we did a study, and we, uh, Brother Dummett and myself, were the only ones that saw this, uh, but we broke down all of the gifts from the last couple of years, and did you know that we found that that average is probably, we don't know for sure because we don't do a survey of, of how much you make, but we found that that survey is probably even close to true here. Many of you give 10%, but there are many that come on Sundays every Sunday and they don't give 10%. Many of you give 20% or 15% or you give over and above, but you are the rare case. You are not the norm, not just in this church, but all across America. So think about that. Think about the fact that the average Christian is giving less than 2% of their income back to the kingdom. Now imagine what could happen around here if our, quadruple, if our giving quadrupled in 2019? Can you imagine? Whew, I'm telling you, I would have dark hair for a while. That's what would happen. Y'all wouldn't have to worry about it. would be like, oh, pastor, he's aging well. Yeah, it would be awesome. Amen. And beyond that, we would be able to have greater influence in the world around us because we're honoring God with our financial tithe. We would be able to do more ministry. We would be able to see more churches planted, more missionaries blessed and sponsored. We'd be able to see more churches, not just here, but all over the U.S. and in the, 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 the globe that would be raised up because of our giving. Amen. I, I know somebody mentioned to me the other day, but yes, there are a million uh, souls right here just in our region that we're responsible for. But even beyond that, 
Amen. Even beyond that, we have such a great responsibility. Power principle number four is that tithing changes spending habits. So if your standard of giving has been low, starting to tithe may seem to stretch you financially at first. But in the process of tithing, you can learn to prioritize your spending patterns and develop a sound financial budget. And if you're not sure of how to do that, I'm going to tell you, we've got very, there, there are some very, very good, smart financial people in this church. They can help you develop a budget. They can help you know this is how much you have coming in. This is how much you have going out. These are some areas that you can cut back in what's going out. These are some ways that you can increase what's, what's coming in. And if you don't have any other way to increase what's coming in and what's going out is more than what's coming in, you know what's going to happen. Right? It's called D-E-B-T. It's quiet. I'm just reminding you all to smile because I'm about to look up again. People who are committed to tithing, they are evaluating their spending habits more regularly. Because they want to know how much is coming in and how much is going out and where is this happening, where is that going. They follow spiritual, spiritual, uh, spiritual and financial healthy practices. They're, they're trying to make sure that they're not just wasting money, right? And so when they are doing this, they protect their ability to trust God to provide them with what they need. These practices, including some things like this, setting aside their weekly offering first, making purchasing decisions in light of how those decisions will impact their offering to the Lord, and thinking about what they really need versus what they think they need. I just lost most of you right there. It's gone. Never coming back. Because none of us want to take the time to think about what we need over what we think we need. What, what we should be doing for the kingdom of God over what we think we have to have. We're like, a, let's just be honest, we're like kids. We're like, come on. There's no delayed gratification whatsoever. It's like, come on, we've got to have it now. It's kind of like, in the book says, it's kind of like establishing a good nutrition plan. When you eat right, you stay healthier and happier. In the same way, if you establish a solid commitment to tithe, you will trim the fat out of your spending, leaving more for the kingdom and more for you to spend wisely. What about how the scripture mentions living under a curse? The opposite is also a kind of a, a scary thought. Uh, the other side of the opportunity is a question. What happens if we don't take God at his word in tithing? What happens? You tell me, you've been reading the book. What happens? Yeah, we'll lose what we have. It, it will seem as though what we have doesn't ever stretch far enough. Let, let's look at a few scriptures. This is a brief sample of how God withholds curses and releases blessings. Psalm 128, 1-4. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. Ye will eat the fruit of your labor. That's the good side. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. That's a good thing. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and He adds no trouble to it. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Proverbs 11, 11. 
Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it is destroyed. Ephesians 6, 1-3, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What is this saying? That if you are not respectful, if you do not uh, respect your parents, the flip side of that is also true then. Your days may not be long upon the earth. <laughs> Mom or dad might take you out, but... Even a little further than that, you have no respect for authority. And because you have no respect for authority, there's a tough road ahead for you. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, looking at that scripture, the reverse is also true. What if you don't persevere under trial? What if you don't stand the test? No crown of life, right? The Lord also wants to bring to many, uh, many of us many kinds of practical physical blessings. Uh, prosperous business. He wants to help us through adversity. And these things are only just the tangible things. We talk about the tangible a lot. We talk about the material things a lot. Uh, but, but really think about it. God wants to bring personal favor into your life. How does God bring personal favor into your life? In your relationships, in your career, in your education, in everything that you do, God can bring personal favor into your life. What are you, what are you saying? The scripture says when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. God wants to bring personal favor. Is there an area of your life which you feel continually or you are continually being defeated? Now, if there is, think about this. This may be God's merciful way of getting your attention. It might be time to determine if the root of that problem is your inattention to God's promises, which are linked to your eligibility to receive a blessing. You may have the devourer on you and not even realize it. Sometimes we, we, we do things and we don't realize that we have invited uh, problems into our life. But they're, they're, they're so uh, easily destroyed whenever we take God at His Word. Whenever we know what the Word of God says and we apply the Word of God to our life. Some people say, oh, well, you just have it so easy. No, I don't have it easy. Nobody in this building has it easy. Nobody that sings or, or plays or, or does anything around here, we don't have it easy. What we have learned is we've learned to take God at His Word. And if He says that He'll do it, we take Him at His Word and He does it. Amen. So, word three says, I trust you to manage material resources. Can God trust us to manage material resources? There are three types of givers, okay? The first is like flint. You have to strike it to produce a spark. You know, like, we're going to have this big, you know, whatever, and we're going to raise funds, and who will buy this, and who will do that, and, and you have to spark them. The second is like a sponge because you got to squeeze it to turn loose whatever's on the inside. Some people, they have to be squeezed, right? We have to, you know, the music has to be just right and the video has to be just right and pastor has to preach just the right message and the presence of God has to come down and just ring us out before we're ready to give. Keep smiling. I'm still here. 
And the third is like a honeycomb. Its contents just ooze out all over the place. I mean, it's sweet for everybody around. So we have to understand this. God wants to be able to bless us with material resources to manage. He wants to bless us with things that we can steward for His kingdom. So the first thing we have to do is we have to understand a key money management principle, and this is the one that nobody should forget. I didn't make it up. It's really in the Word of God. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10. God owns everything. God owns everything. He owns your house. (laughs) You say, well, I don't even own my house. He owns your house. He does. He owns your house. He owns the bank that owns your house. Beyond that, I mean, He owns your vehicles. Or vehicle. Or bicycle. He owns it all. Whatever you have, whatever it is that you possess, He owns it. It belongs to Him. It's His. Now, one of the things that, you know, I've mentioned before and you've heard before is we have, I have children, I have three children. I say they're my children or they're our children. But the truth of the matter is they're God's children. They're God's children. He has allowed me to steward them. He has allowed Kathy and I to steward them. And, and there are days where we pray a lot because we're like, I don't know that we're doing such a great job here. Why? Because they're not ours. We're responsible for them, but they're not ours. Understanding that I have the honor of managing some of God's resources has helped me to see I could take God at His word. We're managers, and since we're managers, it follows that we should follow the instructions of the owner. God, how do you want me to raise my kids? Oh, you didn't think about that. God, how do you want me to do this stuff financially? God, what would you have? I'm I'm just the manager. I'm just the steward. They're his resources. Really, it's up to him. I'll tell you what he's not going to tell you. He's not going to tell you, don't give to the church. He's not going to tell you, don't take your kids to church. You know, there's other things that they could do. There's a lot of stuff, you know. Just let them have fun, enjoy their childhood. He's not telling you that. They're just, they're they're his resources. God, what do you want me to do with your resources? Well, when it comes to my children, he wants me to do everything I can to get them closer to him. He wants to do everything, do everything in your power to make sure that they have every opportunity to grow in me, to have a good relationship with me. And so sometimes that changes our perspective on how we raise our kids. Oh, I know you quit smiling now, but you can just be happy because I'm going to move on. What do you want me to do with my finances, God? You know, I would really like to, whatever, you know. Let's just let's make something up. I want to buy this new lightsaber. I don't know. Anybody want a lightsaber? I don't know. A couple of you, four of you, five of you want a lightsaber. I want to buy this new lightsaber. But with the money that I could use to buy this new lightsaber, I could also 
I could do, I could do something for missions. <laughs> I could invest in the kingdom somehow. God, what do you want for me to do? Well, I'm going to keep moving because I'm on the clock, Jessica. Since we are managers, we got to follow the instructions of the owner. This is the important principle. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's what we see Luke 16.10. shows us that God entrusts more and more of his material resources to us as we prove we can be trusted to manage them effectively. That doesn't mean we're going to have more kids, honey. Unless the Lord wills. Lord, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I love you. I love you. Don't do it. You know, there's only so much a man can take. When they were building the tabernacle in the wilderness, the Scripture tells us that they gave more than enough, right? Then Moses gave an order, and they sent his word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Exodus 36, 4 through 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 to 5, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even, I get this, beyond their ability. In just a couple weeks, we're making a commitment, and we're asking you, God, what can I give? How can you stretch me beyond my ability? They gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. That means nobody had to twist their arm to do it. Pastor didn't have to stand up and you know, pop out of a box and do all kind of crazy things. They just did it on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. They, they pleaded, can we please give? Can we please help? Can we please do this? And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. God wants his people to experience the privilege of giving. Even people in poverty, he wants you to experience the privilege of giving. It's time for us to decide. We've got to make some decisions, right? Do you long for the opportunity to worship God with wholehearted devotion? Do you really want that? We say that. We say, oh, I want to give you everything, Jesus. I want to give you all. I want to trust you with my whole life. Okay, so let me give you a couple decisions that that's going to help. This is from the book. Decision one, give to the Lord this Sunday. Give to the Lord this Sunday. The second decision is give to the Lord every Sunday. Well, I don't get paid every Sunday. That's okay. You can still give every Sunday. You may not give as much one Sunday as another Sunday, but you can still give every Sunday. Number three, plan to give tithes and offerings. Plan to give it. Don't just, oh, I hope I can do it. No, plan to do it. Put it in the budget. Let it be the first thing. Give to the Lord first. This idea of first fruits is found in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It teaches that giving the first part of the crop as it came in was a sign of trust in the Lord's provision. Now, we think of, oh, yeah, you know, before uh, I pay the bills and all this, that's what we think of. But the Israelites had no way of knowing if the rest of their crop was actually going to come in. But the first part that came in, whenever it started 
uh, coming in, they had to trust God, and they had to say, okay, we're going to take this first part, and we're going to give it to God. And the text says that they would receive a great harvest if they honored God with their wealth. And the first that came in, the first fruits they would give. And so, uh, what, what do I do? How do I do this, Pastor? Well, let me just break it down, and I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm just about done. First of all, tithe to your home congregation. It's not tithing if you're giving it to Benny Hinn Ministries. If you're, come on somebody, I'm not trying to be funny here. If you give $50 to Joel Olstein this Sunday, you did not tithe. The devil is a liar. Look, I'm going to explain this, okay? The Old Testament teaching parallels the teaching of 1 Corinthians 16 too. The church contributions were set aside. They were used for ministry. Today, as well, your home congregation needs to be financially strong. It's where you receive the greatest blessing. It's where your kids go to Sunday school. It's where the ministry has its greatest focus, and it's where you'll share in your closest friendships. It's where you remain most involved and receive the greatest spiritual nurturing. When you give to bless your home congregation, you in turn are then blessed in many ways because your congregation is blessed. And can I just go a little further? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why would you want to send your heart to Benny Hinn or Joel Osteen? Why? And and I'm not trying to be rude or funny here. I'm being honest. I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I give, you know, I give a tithe to help this person over here, and I give a tithe to help that person over there, and I'm that's how I'm paying my tithes. I'm I'm giving. You just don't see it in the local church. I'm going to be very honest with you, and you may not. This may not be how every pastor views it, but this is how I view it. If you don't give a tenth, the first tenth here, you're not tithing. You can give, you can support whatever ministries, whatever other things that you want to support, that's awesome. But if you call this your local church and you're not giving here, you're not tithing. Two areas of church life that I think if we would really get this, and I, I want to just say to all of you that have been praying um, on, this, on our 21-day prayer, I, I can tell a difference. I don't know if you can, but I can so thank you for all those of you who are praying on this 20. There have been, there's been extra praying going on, not just normal praying. There's been extra praying going on. People have been meeting here and praying. Please, let's not stop that. Amen. Let's, let's keep that up because prayer, amen, changes things. Amen. And I have, I have, I'll be honest, I have felt just over the last few weeks, I have felt a, a major shift, a major lift in my spirit, and I know that it's, I know that it has a lot to do with our prayer campaign. So thank you. For those of you who have been putting in extra time, please don't stop. Keep going because it is making a difference. And, you know, we, we got hit with some really serious things over the last week. I mean, Brother Phillips, that, that was like that. I mean, just in just an instant and just within a few minutes, I, I knew everything was going to be okay. I knew everything was going to be fine. When I walked into the hospital room, Sister uh, Phillips, she broke down. She started crying, and she told me later, she said, I had already seen you walking into this hospital room. She said, I already knew what was going to happen. I knew he was going to be okay. Amen. And we're thanking God for that. That's happening because of the prayers of the people. Amen. 
Amen. And so two areas of the church life that bring renewal and they bring excitement. They, they are going, this is going to be what drives the revival and the growth of this church this year. Strong prayer and strong giving. You know why? Here's why. Because the Lord's desire is to see us uh, grow. He wants to see us become everything that we can be. And when we are praying like we should and we're giving like we should, wow. That's just, the devil has no place. He can't, he can't mess with people that have their heart in the right place, amen, and that are praying and they're in touch and in tune with God on a regular basis. That's why strong prayer and strong giving is going to be not preaching, not singing, not all that, but strong prayer and strong giving is what's going to bring the revival to us, amen, that God has promised. And so uh, if you look at the Scripture, you'll find out the Lord desires for us to give more when there's a special reason. Every time throughout Scripture that you see them taking up a larger offering or whatever, a lot of times it has to do with the fact that they were, they were doing it for the building of the temple, they were doing it for a special project, so there's always, when there's a special reason, well, we just had, you know, uh, a major renovation here, and, and I know some of you already know that, but we needed to do a campaign, a stewardship campaign, uh, a reason for giving before we even got to that, but now we really need to do that. Okay, so there is a special reason. Some of us, uh, we can get lulled to sleep by just coming in and, well, everything's nice. Sound is good and the lights are nice and the chairs are comfortable and we have good services. And, you know, this is Jessica and uh, the praise team, they, they do their part. And, Pastor, you just give us a good sermon and we're good. And we forget that there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that were put in so everything can just be good. There is a reason. There's a need. Amen. And many Christians simply do not have enough because they don't give enough. You don't have enough because you're not giving enough. Well, I don't have anything to give. That's because you're not giving enough. Well, I don't think that makes sense. Well, I know it doesn't. But according to the Scripture, given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's going to be dropped into your lap. Amen. Giving offerings above the tithe is a specific way to take Jesus at His word. They are receiving a blessing that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so in this stewardship campaign, the entire process is a faith-raising experience, not a fundraising experience. Fundraising will be over. We know of churches, Josh and I were talking a couple weeks ago, somebody, they did a capital campaign. And their whole purpose was to raise a bunch of capital. They wanted to raise several hundred thousand dollars. So for three years, three years, everybody, three years, 36 months, Every month, they pressed, and they pressed, and they pressed. Every Sunday, it was major offering after major offering. Am I telling the truth? And you know what? Josh's friend told him, he said, man, am I glad that's over. Guess what we're not doing? We're not doing a capital campaign. We're not going to come in here and beat and grind on everybody every Sunday for the next three years. We're just not going to do it. We're going to remind you on the one Sunday of every month, we're going to remind you, hey, today's our stewardship. Uh, don't forget stewardship. Make sure that you're keeping your, your commitment. We're going to do that, yes, but we're not going to take 50 billion offerings every Sunday, okay? We're trying to do this the right way. So here's the deal. This is not a fundraising campaign. This is a faith-raising campaign. And what's going to happen as we are giving and God is blessing, our faith is going to get raised and we're going to be able to give more. And we're going to be able to do more, and God's going to be able to trust us with more. 
I wish somebody would just get behind that. I believe that God's going to do it. I wish somebody would just say, God, let me be the first one. I want to be the first miracle. All right, you're not going to do it. I'll do it. God, let me be the first one. God, I want to be the first one. I don't care if they don't want to do it. I want to do it, God. Let me be the first one. Don't hold back, God. When you do it, do it so big, everybody's like, wow. Almost make them jealous. Don't make them jealous, but almost make them jealous. They wish they had done it first. All right, y'all heard me pray it. I prayed it. Here are a few ways that people can give over and above as they pray, Lord, what do you want me to do through my life to impact my church and its future? These are some ways that you can give. Extra cash. Anybody have a lot of extra cash just sitting around? Most of us don't. No. But you probably do have some. You probably don't think about it, but you probably do have some. Almost got some? Is that what you're saying, Allie? Allie, you go ahead. You go ahead. Get in that coffee canister that's kept under the bed and show her. Say, Oma, here's that extra cash I was talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Do you have extra cash? If you've got extra cash, if, if you are blowing uh, quite a bit of money every week on stuff that you really don't need, then you have extra cash. Okay. Number two, extra time. We're, we're talking about making a 24-month commitment at the end of this month. 24-month commitment. How many of you would make the commitment, I want to be a better steward of my time? We can all do that, right? You know, one of the ways you have done it is by showing up here tonight. That's being a good steward of your time. You're going to grow spiritually by being here. Uh, some, some, you know, Thursdays will be a little bit more than others. But you can never, you'll never go wrong by being in the presence of God, by being with the body of Christ. You, you just can't go wrong. Number three, what assets do you have, including land, uh, jewelry, equipment, anything that you may have just laying around? You say, you know what? I really don't need this. I'm not using it. It's just collecting dust, or it's just sitting in a special container, and it's not doing anything. What are some things that you could sell uh, in order to make, to make some extra funds to give? Because here's the thing, you can't outgive God. So whatever you give, I mean, if it comes back to you, did you really give anything? I'm just saying. Number four, and you can't take a lot of that stuff with you anyway, so God's coming. Y'all, I'm just, just, God's coming. If you haven't seen, some of you have already, I've seen you posting, because I mentioned about the, the, the microchip, and some of you, you got on that bandwagon, and you've already seen, there's other articles. I'm not, that, that one video is not the only one. They're wanting, the UN's wanting the whole world to be microchipped by 2030. Well, we don't have long, folks. All right, what life insurance? Do you have life insurance policy? Some of you say, well, yeah, I have a life insurance policy. Do you have somebody that needs to get that life insurance policy? Why not make the church a beneficiary of a portion of that life insurance policy? I'm going to do it for mine. I've got, I've got life insurance coverage on me, and my wife, I would trust my wife because, look, if, I, if she gets a settlement, if I'm gone, she doesn't like me to talk like this, but if I get a, she gets a settlement and I'm gone... I'm telling you, one of the first things she'd want to do is pay the church off. She'd want to give a large sum of that, but we're going to do it intentionally. We're going to, we're going to write it in. That's going to be part of our, who our beneficiary is. What about stocks and bonds? You have stocks and bonds that you can sell. Number six, uh, what about wills or estates? Some of you are like, I don't have any of that. 
Okay, let's look at number seven. How about reducing your living expenses? What are some things that you can cut back? If you don't know things you can cut back on, you need to talk to Donna Bond. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you don't know how to cut your living expenses, you talk to Donna Bond, and if she doesn't go over your budget and help you figure something out, I will, I will look at it personally. But I'm telling you what, she can, whew, oh. am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. He's, Brother, Brother Bond will tell you. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass him more than I already have. But I'm telling you, there's ways to reduce your living expenses. Number eight, second jobs. You might be able to pick up, or you may have a hobby or something that you do that you can, we have people for going to Costa Rica, they're planning all this stuff. And they're trying, they're, they're, they're making cakes and they're uh, doing art and they're doing sketches. And, you know, some people are mowing yards and they're, they're, they're painting, they're working, they're doing all this extra stuff because they want to make money so that they can invest in the kingdom of God. Amen. What if that became, you know, you had a hobby and your hobby could bring in an extra $25 to $50 a month? I'm just saying. Number nine, postponement of major purchases. Do we need it or do we want it? That's where the rubber meets the road. Do we need it or do we want it? Number 10, redirecting completed car payments, mortgage payments, or other installments. Are you going to pay something off here in the next few years? You know, maybe you're getting ready to pay off a card that you've been paying on, and it's going to be paid off in three or four months or nine months or whatever, and then you'll have another, uh, whatever, 15 months left of the 24 months, and you'll be like, hey, that 200 a month's already going out anyways. I could just put that right into the kingdom. Just thoughts, all right? So the list continues, but the common theme is believers pray and they take a step of faith. They know that God will honor their desire to see the kingdom expand and grow their faith. So, the only thing that I would say in closing here is remember your motives. The materialistic urges of modern society continually degrade at the foundations of a God-given desire to make giving a top priority. First of all, remember tithes and offerings are a doorway to God's blessing. Refuse to let Satan steal your joy or your blessing. Keep the channel of God's blessing open. Remember, our motives must never be give to get, they should always be give to get to give again. Does that make sense? I'm not just giving to get. I'm giving to get so I can give again. I want to give more. Even I, I, want, I want to be a funnel, and I want that funnel to grow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. I want to see that funnel get thicker and thicker. Second of all, remember that tithes and offerings are a tremendous checkpoint to monitor the level of your obedience. How do I know if I'm truly submitted to God? Well, first of all, are you giving? You know, uh, tithing is not the end of our commitment to God and our giving, but personal ministry is God's plan in our life for us to be grown to the place that God wants us to be. So, again, we, we got to take God at His word. We are on this journey together, this journey that started uh, just less than two months ago, and we're going to start it, and we're going to be going for two years together. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe that this, this is going to go in a very positive way. And as God begins to bless you like you couldn't have even imagined and he starts blowing your mind, you're going to be like, why didn't we do this sooner? Pastor, I was really, some of you are going to tell me this. I, I'm, 
I'm going to speak a word to you right now. Some of you are going to tell me this. You're going to walk up to me and you're going to say, Pastor, at first I was hesitant about this whole stewardship campaign. But now, I wish you would have started it sooner. How do I know that? Because that's what I've been praying. God, you're going to let it happen. You're going to take the naysayers and the negative and the You're going to take all those people and you're going to make them testimonies of your power in financial things, in spiritual things, in personal favor, God's going to bless. Amen? It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about what God's going to do.